You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello, and welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. Many of you will remember Sarah K. Hoffman, episode number 325. She is a gut health expert. And we talked all about fixing chronic digestive problems, IBS and SIBO. I will link to this episode in the show notes. It was one of my favorite episodes because I learned so much about digestive issues, specifically SIBO, more so than I have uh, throughout the course of of all of my interviews on this podcast. So if you haven't listened to it, please go listen to it. Today, I actually am going to be publishing an interview that I did over on her podcast. It's called A Gutsy Girl Podcast. I highly recommend going and subscribing to that podcast and listening to it. She does incredible interviews, and her and I were able to talk about how diet culture and dieting in general, so that chronic diet cycle, is disrupting and harming your gut. So I got the opportunity to really break down with her how nutrient deficiencies and hormone imbalances and really eating with this like strict diet mentality, which I have a history of, and I know so many of you do here, how that can really hinder your digestion and create these long-term chronic problems to include hormone imbalances and SIBO and gut dysbiosis and gas and bloating. And how do you fix it? Like, how do you move forward with healing yourself internally, healing your gut? It... (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's not another diet. Um, So I really enjoyed the interview, and I think it would be incredibly beneficial for all of you to hear. So I'm going to be publishing that today with Sarah K. Hoffman before we get into that interview. If you are active or you are following a whole foods diet, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. So electrolytes are things like sodium, magnesium, and potassium, and they play a really big role in your body's ability to absorb water. So you actually lose electrolytes when you sweat. That's the number one way that we lose our electrolytes. And also we lose it when we go to the bathroom. So they have to be replaced. And if you're following a whole foods diet, which is naturally very low in sodium, you can actually be chronically deficient in electrolytes. And this can show up in a number of ways. So I used to really, like on workout days, I would get, even sometimes just standing up after the workout, I would see stars. And some of you may know what I'm talking about, but it was just like little stars and I'd get sort of dizzy. And that would happen a lot on workout days in particular, going from seated to standing. And I also would feel like fatigue. Uh, Sometimes you can have headaches, you can have more muscle cramps, and you can even have sleep disturbances. And if all of that is showing up on your workout days, you need to be supplementing with electrolyte replacement. So Element makes these grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. You just take this recharge packet, you tear it open, 
and you mix it up with water and you sip on it. So there is no sugar, no gluten, fillers, no artificial ingredients, and it's paleo friendly. So you can sip on this while you're working out. This is incredibly important if you're doing endurance training. If you're doing shorter high-intensity work, this is something that you would use post-workout with your post-workout meal or whatever, you know, as you're just like trying to rehydrate after that workout. So I've been using Element on workout days. I absolutely love it. It's made such a huge difference just in my overall fatigue, too, that I feel on workout days. And what Element is doing for our community right now is a free sample pack. So go to drink, L-M-N-T, so the word drink. And then the letters lmnt.com forward slash well fed. It is an eight pack. All you have to do is pay for, for the free shipping. I think it's like $4.99, but that'll allow you to try the flavor, see if it works for you before you commit to ordering a couple boxes. Again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash well fed. If you've already ordered and you've gotten your sample box, go back to that link and then buy your uh, element packets through them and what you'll get is like they come in these boxes and you can get three boxes and then you'll get the fourth one for free which is pretty darn cool drinkelement.com forward slash well fed now let's get to the interview welcome to the a gutsy girl podcast noelle Thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited to be over here in your space. And I love to chat. And I even more so love to catch up with people who I consider to be internet friends and I never actually get to talk to. So this is like not work at all. This is so fun. (laughs) I completely agree. So you're in the hot spot today. I totally. Yes, last time I was in your hot spot, and now you get the chair and the crown, and you get to share all of your incredible knowledge, and I'm so excited to have you here on the other side. So before we get going with all things diet culture and its negative effects on the gut and what it has done to us, I want you to share about yourself, who you are, what you do, and anything else you want to share with the community to get started. Yeah, I'll just tell a little bit about my personal story um, because it's actually kind of unique. And I honestly don't mention this a lot to people. A lot of people don't know this about me, but when I was eight or nine years old, I actually started struggling with IBS to the point where it was really inhibiting and getting in the way of a lot of my day-to-day things. So I have clear memories of being in the bathroom just in like having this chronic pain, the tightening, the releasing, just just really struggling and it being my best friend's birthday party and I had to show up late because I was like having IBS. And I, I didn't, I'm not even sure if we called it that back then, but my mom picked up on it pretty quickly because she had struggled with it too. And so we started trying to manage it in different ways. And, you know, that has always been a part of my story. I've always had stomach problems. That's what I, you know, always call I always, you know, I have stomach problems or my stomach's sensitive. As I got older, you know, I started doing, and what we're going to be talking about today is the, how dieting and diet culture in general can impact your gut health. And, I originally started getting into what I would call dieting, fitness and dieting, as just a way to improve my health. I, you know, I thought it was the thing that I needed to do. I was gaining some very normal weight going from age 15 
you know, 14, 15 to now you're in high school. And I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't be doing that because growing up, I had learned that you needed to remain thin and any sort of weight gain was a bad thing. And so I started seeing my body change, got into doing fitness and dieting and, you know, worked out at the YMCA and all the things. And slowly that just tumbled into being completely obsessed with trying to control my calories and eat less and how much can I work out? And, oh my gosh, I ate this. I need to go to the gym tomorrow and work it off. And that was how I operated all through college. And really, I... Interestingly enough, a lot of my digestive symptoms subsided because I stopped. I found the paleo diet, which my podcast used to be called the Paleo Women Podcast, but um, had removed a lot of dairy and gluten and things that were actually my triggers. And so I had stopped getting some of these more severe IBS episodes. But I quickly tumbled into other issues. So I started having really loose stools. I started being really bloated. And I eventually had to kind of come like straight on, like take it head on. I I majorly injured my hip. I couldn't work out for like a year and a half. And at that point, I was like, what am I doing to myself? Who am I doing this for? If it's not, if I'm miserable and I hate where I am right now because all I'm doing all day is trying to restrict, I eat, overeat, I, you know, I eat all this food at night because my body's literally starving. And then I get up and I try to run 10 miles to quote unquote work it out. Like, this is no fun. What am I doing this for? And I had to kind of rebuild, create an entirely new mindset, um, remove a lot of the toxic diet culture and fitness culture concepts that I had been, that were so ingrained in me and see health in a completely different light, which is, you know, health is holistic. It's not just physical. It's not just mental. It's not just emotional. It is all of those things. And so pursuing health has to take all of those things into play. You have to be able to see what are my stresses? You know, how much inflammation am I experiencing and how can I manage that? It's not calories in, calories out. It is how can I manage inflammation and stress and support my digestion and support my hormones and support my metabolism with the food and the fitness and just the overall stress management that I practice long term. So, yeah. And my <laughs> with that, I started uh, Coconuts and Kettlebells, which is my blog. And I just started kind of, you know, writing some of those thoughts. And a lot of people will see my my content has changed. You know, when it started, it was like, I want to talk about nutrition and how to get healthy. And all of a sudden, then it was like, whoa, you know, as I was experiencing my own things, um, I started really writing more about mindset and, and holistic health and gut health and all those things. So, yeah. Yes. And I've been reading your blog since way back when, and I have watched these transitions and it's been really cool and fun to see. It's it's always interesting when people that are at the height of any sort of fitness or nutrition and then they start to realize that things just really aren't working and it, that it doesn't really work as society tells us. Strict nutrition, high fitness, and you'll be on your way to the perfect vibrant life. And then they kind of almost work backwards and not not necessarily backwards backwards but just they change the way they go about things in order to actually realize what 
true health is. And I feel like over time, I've watched you do that. And it's been really cool to see. So I just want to tell you that uh, one thing that you said that is really interesting is that you you mentioned you did paleo and that, and that helped with some of your gut issues, but then the next problem occurred, you know, then you got loose stools and bloat. And that's something that I talk about all the time is that we can fix one thing, but if we're not we're not fixing the true underlying, whether it's emotional or or if, if it truly is some kind of underlying illness, things just don't change. In fact, usually they get worse. And so I I would love if you could just talk a little bit more about that. So paleo helped a little bit, but obviously we all know you can't paleo harder in order to feel better <laughs> or to, you know, make any kind of progress. Then what happened after that? And I mean, like, where are you at today with your, you know, that's the whole episode we're going to talk about your thoughts and your beliefs around things. But like, do you know your main trigger foods or what really was going on underneath? And, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. I'm just curious. Yeah. And I will just, just just to respond to what you said before, I am constantly and always going through these phases where I'm like, oh, I thought that that was it and it's not. And, you know, I'm learning about health in all these different phases of life. So I, when I started all of this, I was 18 years old. When I, you know, started having this first aha, aha moments, I was in my, let's say, early to mid 20s. And the things that I thought I needed to do to be healthy then, are very different from what the things that I think I need to do to be healthy now because now I'm a mom. I have been through some really traumatic physical injuries and issues and horrible breastfeeding and you know pregnancy all the you know I had lots of eight mastitis infection like all of those little things have continued to shape me and really give me a new understanding of what health is. So I'm ho- I hope that I continue to just have these different aha moments as I get older. That's the that's the greatest thing about aging is that you continue to learn. And where I'm at now is you know with the loose stools and the and the bloating and all that bloating by the way is probably the number one symptom that I see women who have chronically dieted. They always come to me and say, I have serious bloating and I can't figure out what the cause is. And they typically try to, you know, find out like, what's the food? You know, what food is causing this? And so they restrict, restrict, restrict down. And really, you said it, a lot of women, a lot of their gut issues are triggered by their mental state. So if you have been through a traumatic experience, and I'm not talking just big T's, I'm talking little T's too, or you have some emotional, you know, struggles, you're dealing with anxiety or depression, that is going to directly impact your digestion. And as women, we so we are so quick to just, no, scratch that out or write that off. No, that's not it. It's got to be a food. What's the food, right? (laughs) And it's not. And it unfortunately takes a lot harder work. And so where I'm at now is I could see that my anxiety was causing so many of my issues. My mental health was causing a lot of my issues. And of course, just restriction in general, which we can dive into more in a second. But, you know, restriction in general, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you are restricting food and you're under eating, you are also under eating nutrients that you need, that your body needs to support hormones and hormone function and to support things like digestive enzymes and, you know, gastric juices. And if you are under eating, a lot of times your body is not able to properly support 
you know, physiological function. You're not able to properly digest your food because you don't have those resources to help your body do that. And a lot, and I was eating a lot of roughage. I was eating, you know, all the foods I thought were supposed to be good. Uh, a lot of salads, a lot of kale, a lot of spinach, a lot of just roughage, and not a whole lot of, of course, you know, paleo one one point zero in two thousand and eight was don't eat any carbs. And so I wasn't eating starchy carbohydrates. I wasn't nourishing my gut with some of these, you know healthy prebiotic and probiotic foods. And so that just led to a lot of the subsequent, you know, issues in the bathroom, which I know you talk so openly about here, but I just, you know, I had a variety of symptoms. And honestly, it was when I started eating potatoes and and rice again and soaking that, that I was, I don't have, you know, issues hardly at all anymore. What I have found particularly for me is that I actually still do not engage with gluten, but not necessarily that I think it's bad. And I actually am thinking, hmm, like recently I've been like, I wonder if I do eat it again. Like, I don't think it would be an issue, but we've gotten so, we're just so used to not eating it. My husband has Hashimoto's. And so we try to not eat gluten because of just how it can cross react with thyroid issues. But I don't really I love all the bread that I eat and the rice and the stuff like that that's gluten-free, so I don't really necessarily care. And really, for me, my trigger has always been lactose. So I can eat butter. I can eat yogurt. It is when I have ice cream, for example, mm-hmm. that that is what leads to a, the lactose-heavy foods. So all of my most recent episodes, and I say most recent would be like in the last five to seven years, has been because of some sort of like high high lactose thing. So I just pretty much don't do high lactose, but I do of course have have dairy with like butter and yogurt. So yeah. Awesome. I love hearing that. And I love hearing just kind of your process and how you went from understanding the anxiety and the mental part of it and not getting into or staying in the trap that most do, which is I need to exclude entire food groups. Like you, mm-hmm. you narrowed it down to lactose, which is something that is so, so important, I think, because obviously there's a lot of really great benefits to things like butter and yogurt and, you know, other things too. So, okay. So I want to start our whole conversation around diet culture. And the way that I wanted to start this conversation is you had a blog post go viral about abs way back when. And (laughs) I will never forget that post because gosh, we were still living in California. I just remember sitting at my desk and being like, yes, yes. Oh, yes. This is actually really (laughs) accurate. Who is this girl? (laughs) So anyways, uh, I will definitely link to it in the show notes. But if you could just tell us a little bit about that post and, and, and I'm curious, is that then when your platform and your ideas and your work really started and or expanded. Absolutely. So first I will start by defining diet culture, which is a culture that exists. This is my own interpretation, not the definition that you'll see in whatever the dictionary, but it's it's a culture that exists that essentially is telling women that they need to really be focused on being smaller and you're more worthy and you're better if you are smaller. And we need to always be managing our body size and pursuing thinness and and we elevate thinness in our culture quite quite a bit and it is just if you have been a woman in in our society you have you have seen that essentially our culture worships dieting and so you know if you're not on a diet you're not doing it right 
And I had grown up in that culture, fitness magazines at the uh, grocery store line, seeing it in movies. Oh, man, Pinterest. Once Pinterest happened, it was like constantly all this quote-unquote fitspo. Fitspo is diet culture to the T. Just Google search fitspo. And it was, you know, it's all this don't stop until you're proud and push until push through the pain and never miss a Monday, you know, all this, all this stuff, which basically is telling you to override your own intuition about your body and what's right for your body and listen to somebody else who tells you what you should do. Because again, it's over fitness and it's, it's restriction. It's eating 1200 calories a day or whatever. So I had gone through that for the majority of my life, had an aha moment again, hit rock bottom, crawled my way back up. And decided that the people who I was doing this for, I wanted six-pack abs so badly. The people who I was doing this for, I did not care about their opinion anyway. And I have the people in my mind and I will keep their identity, um, you know, under wraps. But, you know, there were people that I grew up with that worshipped women with six-pack abs. And guess what? I didn't really like those people. Like, they might have been popular, but why did I care about what they thought? You're not important to me. You're not not valuable in my life. So why am I trying to appeal to this small percentage of people who think women need six-pack abs to be worthy? Like, I don't care. I don't want you in my life anyway. Once I had that moment, I just, I kind of, you know, had this awakening, so to speak, which was, wow, Six-pack abs really don't make me all that healthier. It's not it's not a requirement to be healthy. It's not a requirement to be worthy. It's not a requirement to be attractive. Why do I care so much and who's telling me that? And so I kind of had to just unpack that over the course of my life. I changed the way I did fitness instead of pursuing fitness as I've got to burn calories, I've got to lose weight. I decided to pursue fitness in a way that supported my body. If I needed to take extra rest days because workouts are stress, I did that. And I saw my health really soar. And personally for me, my stomach has always been my insecure, you know, I've always been insecure about my stomach. And I had it in my head that I wanted to take some pictures of me, somebody didn't have six pack abs. I'm a personal trainer and I don't care that I don't. And I, it was, it was way before the body image movement had done, had, you know, done anything. Nobody was talking about this stuff. Nobody was really saying like calling this stuff out. And so I took all these pictures and I still was so, so nervous to my core to publish this stuff, but I published it and the reaction from people was just beyond. I mean, my website crashed twice. I couldn't believe it, but I knew I had found my thing. I knew that more women were dying inside like I was because they were so miserable trying to chase after, you know, whatever said thing it was for me, it was six-pack abs. And they were destroying their health in the process and they wanted to be free from that. And so I then that's when I kind of found my community. And from there, I I think during the time that I launched this, I had just graduated from the Nutritional Therapy Nutritional Ther- uh, Therapy Academy Academy Association. And so I was an NTP and I was kind of starting to talk about nutrition, but then really wanted to start talking about this piece of it, which is so true for so many women. So many women are trying to pursue health, but they're seeing it as health is a six is six pack abs. Health is cutting calories. Health is starving myself. And that is not what health is. So yeah. Um, and also I lost my period when I was trying to pursue six pack abs and I got myself, you know, my weight all the way down. So really the essence of the article was, yo, I, at my lowest weight, when I started to see a six pack, I was the 
most unhealthy I've ever been in my life. I didn't even have a period, which is a huge red flag that something's going wrong. So, yep, yeah. I have a very similar story. Obviously, I never wrote uh, anything like your incredible post that you wrote, but I have a very similar story. I lost the period, all the stuff. Meanwhile, people are telling you, you look so great. You're like, cool, let's just keep going. Let's just keep doing it because I'm doing it for them. And you sit back and you're like, who's them? Who cares? Why? Who cares? And so the reason I really wanted you to share about that is because I think it's important that people can see that you are an NTP. You did have this very real and raw life experience that people related to and other women were able to see themselves in in so many ways. And so I love that your platform now, you've been able to really combine that passion mixed with real health advice and and from a, a very good place, but a professional place as well. And so having said all of that, I would love if you could just tell us true or false and why to this statement, diet trends are killing our guts. Hmm. <laughs> I would say true. I would say true. Yeah, because diet trends are trendy. If we're talking about all the trends going on, then then yeah, absolutely. Do you want me to expound on this? <laughs> uh, no, well, I think we're, we, we can do that in a little bit too because you obviously have worked with many clients. And so yeah. I'm, I'm sure you, you already have given a couple examples, you know, the, the bloating and everything, but I think it will be, it, more of it will come out. And so- I always like when other people can validate that point that I try to make all the time around dieting and getting away from culture, popular, trendy diets. And in order to heal the gut or, you know, make quote unquote hashtag gains, whatever. And so I just, I, I love that someone else can reiterate that as well. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll just expound on it slightly. It's not just about the diet or the trend. It's about what we buy into when we buy into a diet trend. It's the mental piece of that as well. It's us thinking the solution, the, the you know, here it is, I'm going to fix everything with that. It's a very microscopic thinking of health, which we know it's not going to solve anything long term. It's not going to lead to lasting health. And Health is so much more than that. And so it's it's really a two-parter. It's not even just about the physical. Exactly. So what have you seen while working with women? You've worked with women that I'm sure have tried all the different diets that have convinced themselves that excluding entire food groups or doing the 1,200 calories a day or being keto, you know, whatever it is. What have you seen in those women with regards to their gut health? And kind of along those same lines, are there any specific conditions that you tend to see? I I know that, you know, obviously we can say IBS for sure, but I do talk a lot about gut health, but then also the things that stem from it, you know, the, the, the thyroid problems and, and whatever. So I'm curious as to what you're noticing, what kind of diets women are doing, and then also, you know, the repercussions of that. Yeah. So I will start with the last and and explain why. I think the most common things that women in general who have really been 
stuck in sort of a diet, in stuck in diet culture in that way of thinking, but also are chronic dieters and chronic calorie cutters. It's always IBS and bloating. It's a lot of, it's even constipation. I've had many clients who struggle with constipation. A lot of, you, you said it too, thyroid issues, hypothyroidism, hypothalamic amenorrhea is when you don't have a period and hormonal imbalances. Because essentially what is happening And let me kind of break down why that all can stem from dieting, (laughs) because it doesn't, you'd be like, well, dieting's healthy, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I'm supposed to do. Essentially, when we are dieting, and I think a lot of women, you have to understand that for some people, some, you know, this is not going to happen for absolutely everyone, but this is really the case for most women. As you start a diet, just like I did innocently, like, I'm going to get healthy. And then it sort of tumbles into, well, these foods are bad and I need to avoid them. And oh my gosh, I I ate a cookie. I've got, I've got to like write that wrong and fit and get to the gym tomorrow and do extra. And then you sort of, you know, slip up again or fall off the wagon. And it's, I made a mistake. I screwed up. I got to fix it. So I'm going to restrict for the next like three days and I'm going to do an extra workout. And then, you know, you may be after the three days are over, you're like, yeah, I did it. And then you have another cookie and it's like, oh, I've got to restrict it. So it's a cycle that tumbles into, wow, my worth is in my food and my fitness. And that is how I have to manage it. And eventually what happens is you are kind of when you're eating, you're in a in a state of stress. You're stressed out around food. And when we're eating, most women who are not consciously thinking about it, especially if they're dieting, but even if they're not, and they're just like trying to manage life and work, are eating in a sympathetic state. So that's the the side of our nervous system that says, that's our, you know, flight or fight nervous system that says, oops, something's going on. I'm heightened. There's something happening. And in that state, your body does not prioritize digestion. It prioritizes producing cortisol and making sure that you can react if something is about to challenge your existence. And so that is, you know, if you're eating, driving in the car, and there's a bunch of traffic that could be eating in a sympathetic state. If you're eating and work is stressful for you and you're eating at your desk and you're not taking a break, that's eating in a sympathetic state. If you're freaking out about food and you've given morality to food and you think foods are good or bad and you're you're trying to restrict food and you're kind of overthinking how many you know ounces of dressing did I just put on this salad and oh my gosh, there's a cookie and everybody else is eating the cookies and I just want to eat it. Like you're eating in a, in a parasympathetic state. And so when we are in a parasympathetic state, our body, our digestion is impaired. So each stage of our digestion secretes enzymes and, you know, juices and things to help food be properly broken down. It's a top-down process, as I'm sure you've, you've talked about here, Sarah. And, you know, when we are thinking constantly that there are, you know, things that we have to avoid and things that we need to really be managing by the way, food does not have morality. Foods are not good or bad. It is just food. And your morality as a person is not impacted by what you eat or what you choose not to eat. And so, you know, let's just get that out of the way. But why that kind of state of being, state of existence around food and and your body can impact your digestion, I I think it's kind of a, a 
I would say, a three-parter. So first, when you're trying to consume food, when you're in a constantly, you know, sympathetic state, I just mentioned this, your digestion process is inhibited. What does that mean? It means that food is not properly digested. Up top, it means that food is not going to be properly broken down and larger particles and even potentially sometimes like bacteria and things that shouldn't be going down into our small and large intestine are going to get down into our small and large intestine. And that's going to cause, you know, bloating and issues. It can, you know, create issues with leaky gut. It can create dysbiosis, all the things. Second is cutting your calories and trying to constantly live in a state of starvation means you're not meeting your body's needs. And it also means you're not meeting your nutrient requirements. There are so many nutrients that your body needs, raw materials, that your body uses to create things like digestive enzymes and, you know, specific hormones. Your digestive process is actually controlled by hormones as well. Not just like you're not, we're not just talking about sex hormones. There's a whole lot of hormones that in, are involved in, for example, how your pancreas handles blood sugar. And so if your body's not getting those raw materials, again, digestion is going to be inhibited. I think that that's something women don't understand. When you're when you're cutting calories, you're also cutting nutrients and your, your body's not getting enough, which is why we see a cascade of a whole lot of other issues when women are really rest- restricting calories. And then we just have basic physiology of how your body interprets the messages around food or just like food volume. So Eating too little is a stressor. Your body sees that as a major problem. And studies show that in response to being underfed, by the way, the studies that show this, it was 1,600, it's not even 1,200 calories a day, which is so popular, you know, that we see in the fitness magazines. It's 1,600 calories a day for active women. In this process, your body is starved and underfed. When that happens, your body upregulates cortisol. It downregulates thyroid hormones and your metabolism. So now you start processing things slower, which we know can be a problem for digestion too. It downregulates sex hormones, which is why we see hypothalamic amenorrhea and, and, you know, periods go missing. And of course, it upregulates specific hunger hormones and it, it lights up your brain activity so that you are hyper aware of food. So now you're obsessed with food. You're you're looking at the food network and watching these baking shows constantly, not because you like to bake, but because you're obsessed with looking at all the food that you have now told yourself you can't have. Been there, done that. And let's look at the other side of the coin. So there's something in the in my book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, that Stephanie and I, my co-host, have found that most women are experiencing. It's called the shame cycle. And essentially, when you are told something is bad or wrong let's say eating a cookie is bad, you now have given, you know, okay, that cookie, eating the cookie is a bad, I become a bad person, I eat the cookie, so I'm not going to eat the cookie. The moment you restrict, you have now said, I can't eat the cookies, guess what you're going to think about is it's the cookies. And eventually you're going to eat a cookie. It's maybe it's not tomorrow. It's, it's going to be, you know, eight days down the, the road or whatever. You eat the cookie, but now because you've restricted the cookie for so long, you're not satisfied with just that one cookie. You eat three or four, and now you feel really guilty for it. Your stomach kind of hurts, and you're like, I've got to fix this. I feel shame. I feel guilt. And what do you do? You restrict or you overexercise. So that inconsistent eating can also be 
a huge stressor, that restrict kind of overeat cycle, because it completely disrupts your digestion. You go from not eating anything to all of a sudden flooding your body with a large amount of food, whether it's a cookie or whether it's just like you finally are like, oh my gosh, I need to eat. And you're eating like three helpings of dinner or whatever, you know, because you starved yourself. It's nor- it's a normal response and it's a physiological response from your brain. And so your, your digestion is not going to be able to keep up. You're, you're now flooding your body with a ton of food. You're not going to be able to properly digest it. And so large food particles are going to get into your small and large intestine. And that's just going to lead to long-term dysfunction overall in the form of, you know, dysbiosis or SIBO or whatever. It can really be digestion, hormone imbalances, digestive problems, hormone imbalances, thyroid issues, like you said, even just anxiety. Like that can all be a result because we know how important the gut health is is for mental health and, you know, how that there's a connection there too. It can really just dieting in general can can impact everything about your physiology. So that was awesome. And I know that as people are listening to this, it's going to be so helpful because I think most people in this community have been told or suspect they have at least one of the things that you mentioned. And most people in this community can also see themselves in a lot of the different scenarios that you said as well. It's really interesting to me because I think that as women especially if we've been living like this for a really long time in the sense that smaller is better and less is more and I'm doing this for control or whatever it is, however we've been living. It's almost like this trap and this cycle that we get caught in. And all of a sudden we don't feel well and we think, gosh, maybe something, I'm not doing something right. You know, maybe, maybe what Noelle is saying is right. Maybe this, you know, if I would just stop with all of the obsessiveness and, and if I could actually make some changes, then my gut health might change or my, you know, I get my period back this, that, or the other. But the problem is I feel like we still stay stuck here because we're afraid that if we if we don't give in to diet culture anymore, that we might gain that weight. Do you know what do you know what I mean? Like it's so Absolutely. mentally, it's so hard. So I would love if you could share any thoughts you might have around how do you avoid this trap? Like how do we get out of it? You know, how how can we kind of break this vicious cycle? Yeah. I'll try to make it simple because it is a lot. It's it's a lifelong process and it's something that you, you essentially a culture that you kind of have to check out of. It's always going to be around you, but you have to you have to remove yourself from and be able to look at it and say, oh, I, I see what's happening there, but I'm not going to let myself get trapped into it. I think, number one, you have to really remember that your worth is not in your body size. Your body size changes constantly, and that's totally fine. Your body's going to fluctuate. I think our society is really wants us to think that body fluctuations are bad and they're not like we are fluid our bodies are fluid and they adapt and we have a you know our, we have changing stressors we have changing seasons of life we don't need to hold so much control or give all this power our power away to whatever the scale is saying i think number 2 and what's really powerful for me and what i think a, a big light bulb for a lot of women is health is not a body size we spend a lot of our time pursuing a size, thinking that when we get there, we'll be healthy. And a lot of times when you get to that size, you're not any more healthy. And guess what? You're not any more happy with your body. And a lot of times 
you're you're even more unhealthy. So I know it, and I'm sure you know it too, Sarah. There are a lot of things you can do to your body to lose weight that don't promote health, that aren't great, that are not good for you. And when we're able to remove this sort of relationship that, oh, weight loss equals health, that's false. That is a false narrative. And you can get healthy by not losing any weight at all. And a lot of times, you know, our our society is so wrapped up in like, oh, weight's the problem. I'm not convinced that weight is the problem. I actually think weight is a symptom. So there can be a lot of underlying issues with the body that can cause unwanted or just what seems like a random and quick weight gain for women. The weight is not the problem. It's the underlying, you know, health challenges. That is not the fault of the woman. It could be thyroid, new thyroid issues. It could be, you know, estrogen dominance. It could be a lot of things. And so I would much rather encourage you to focus on how can I get healthy and what are these other biomarkers that I can use to assess my health? So what about how's my sleep? You know, am I fatigued? Do I have good energy like in the afternoon? What are my like inflammatory markers looking like? What's my what is what's my digestion like? Stop focusing on what's that scale say and start focusing on how's my digestion? Like, am I sleeping good? Like that, that's what health is. And we've removed that from health, you know, the pursuit of health. That's, that's essentially what the, the oversimplification of calories in, calories out. That's what health is. You know, that's what fitness culture loves to say because it's easy, right? It's, it's completely inaccurate. I think the last thing, well, I may come up with more, but I'll say it's the last thing for now is really, you've got to remove yourself from Stop following people who are worshiping six-pack abs and taking constant mirror selfies and telling you to love yourself, but at the same time, like, always prancing around half nude. Like, if that makes you feel bad about yourself and you're like, wow, I don't look like that, like, now I feel, like, if you get off of Instagram and you feel worse, which, I mean, come on, it's hard not to, but if you get off Instagram and you're like, I feel really bad, I need to be on a diet, stop, unfollow those people. Like follow people that don't focus on their body size. Like why are we so focused on bodies? I get it. It, We want to all feel good and we want to look good. Like we want to look in the mirror and be like, I look good, right? And And I don't want to downplay that. But our society loves to focus on what's what's the number on your pants and like, you know, how does your arm look in this dress? Like at the end of the day, none of that really matters. And it really should only like if it matters how you feel about yourself. And if you're feeling good and you're healthy and you have good energy and you're like, you know, meeting new fitness goals, if you don't meet the world's standard of like super ultra thin, who cares? Like care about more about how you feel and what you can do with that body and like what changes you want to make in the world. Like how do you want like how do you want to serve other people and give back? And like that's that's where we get happiness from, not from like what are our measurements of our thighs. Like it it just it's it doesn't matter. And I know that that's hard to like come out of. It's it's hard, but I I will say a lot of this has been heightened especially for younger women on social media. This existence that we all see everybody's highlight reels and and we're constantly seeing, you know, mirror selfies and all the things, that is not fitness. That is not health. And so if you actually want to be like do something for your mental health, unfollow the people who are praising specific body features and telling you you need to work on your what like, love handles, you know, g- give these little cute names to like very normal parts of your body. Like um and 
start following people who see health as holistic and are actually nourishing to you and helping improve your mindset and your health. Boom. She drops the mic. I loved it. <laughs> it's it's so good. The last one is probably my favorite because I know that in this community that women are following, like, it's such a mind F, if you will, <laughs> because it's like we're following because we want all the health. We want to feel great. But then we also follow these people because we want to see, you know, all of their hashtag progress photos. And it's it's such a contradiction. And just I love it. I love everything that you said. So thank you for sharing. Um, one last kind of topic that I want to talk about before we wrap up is you obviously, I believe you're also a certified personal trainer, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you focus a lot on fitness. You have your strong from home maybe, or yes. you have several programs. It's awesome. Right. I love it. You yeah. definitely, yeah, you definitely have, you have it all going on, but because you focus a lot on fitness too, I'd love to know your thoughts regarding fitness and diets. Like, what do you think about you know, working out in a certain way, following a specific thing, and then also making sure that you're eating, quote unquote, just right for that, that fitness regimen or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of misconceptions around fitness. And I do really love, it's a, it's a passion of mine. I like to work out. I enjoy fitness. I originally um, was this person where I did running and triathlons and did a half marathon and half marathon half Ironman and a marathon and was just really like all wrapped up in it and thought that I needed to, you know, eat in a specific way and really support my body. And yeah, that's like saying that now, looking back on that now, I'm like, yeah, you really, you needed to be like eating a lot of food. Like if you're going to run, you need to be eating good food. Like there's a lot of things that you need to be thinking about if you're going to be running or doing CrossFit or whatever. And now me now says you've got to be eating enough. You've got to be eating enough protein and you need to be eating after your workouts. I can't tell you how many times in college, you know, women would work out or friends or whatever and they'd be like, oh yeah, I just worked out. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to try not to eat anything for the rest of the day so that I don't want to ruin the workout. I'm like, what are you talking? I mean, even then I remember being like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you ruining your workout because you ate food? Like <laughs> this is the mindset. And so, you know, when I got into CrossFit, I did do the paleo thing. And, you know, before I think it was zone or something like that. And I will tell you that the majority of women, we saw this happen there was kind of this big movement of paleo CrossFit. You know, we all were doing the thing and we were eating not a ton of carbs. And then we brought in intermittent fasting. And so I was, you know, part of a large CrossFit gym where we were all doing challenges and not eating, you know, strict paleo and like not, you know, doing the thing. And most of the women in that gym, including myself, our health tanked. And we found this, you know, really like important aspect of like, or maybe just a, like a misunderstanding in what was the paleo movement, which is you need carbs. Like you do need carbs. If you're going to be doing high intensity training, if you're going to be doing a high volume or high intensity training, you need carbohydrates. You need carbohydrates even if you don't train. Like that's still, that can be a really good part of your health anyway. But 
we saw this incredible like thing happen where all of these women, their health started to tank. Uh, they started to lose their periods. They started to like thyroid have major thyroid issues, major fatigue, not recovering well. One of the things that people don't think about, and this is just a side note and kind of a rant, is that workouts are stress. So we think about stress and stress management. We think, oh, well, I got to take that, you know, bubble bath or whatever. (laughs) And like we think that that's stress management. But a lot of times stress management is just reducing the amount of stress that we are exposed to, not trying to undo the stress that we've already exposed ourselves to. So when we see workouts as stress, as quite literally causing inflammation, it is inflammatory. We can see workouts as, huh, this is something that I need to bring in intentionally. And when I do, I need to be on top of what am I eating, how much am I eating, and making sure that I eat right after my workouts. If you're not eating after, right after your workouts, and I'm not saying you have to be within the 30-minute you know, window or whatever, you need to be eating after your workouts, period, end of story. Like, if you want to see gains, you, you've got, and especially for women and especially for cycling women, it is so important because now we're introducing this huge stress, whether it's high intensity or long distance or whatever, your body needs to have sufficient nutrients and, and calories. You know, I've seen a lot of these trends where a diet is paired with a specific workout program or even just people who are fit are tending to also be dieting because or like pursuing fitness or are tending tend to just pursue, you know, some sort of diet because the again, the majority of people are thinking that they need to be restricting calories and also be working out. Those two things actually work directly against each other by the way. You're now upping your workouts, you're now upping the stress, you're now workouts quite literally break down your body. And, and now you're trying to eat less and not support your body through the, that increased stress. So I've seen a lot, but I will say that most of it is garbage and that you just need to be making sure that you eat in a way that is right for your body, that you need to be, yeah, eating a lot like nutrient-dense foods, good carbohydrates, especially if you're going to be trying to do any sort of strength training or high-intensity work. And you need to eat after your workouts. And it's so important for cycling women that they're eating sufficiently. And and a lot of people say, well, wait a second, I want to lose weight. Then how do I lose weight? Weight is not just about calories in, calories out. It's 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 about supporting how your body functions. How How does your physiology work? And when we starve ourselves and we're not eating enough, our metabolism downregulates. Our thyroid downregulates. Our sex hormones go to the ground. And we have chronic cortisol. And so when we are eating sufficiently, we're eating high quality foods, we're eating nutrient dense foods, we're eating enough, our body is able to exist where it needs to exist. You find a natural rhythm and a natural place. Now, this may not happen overnight. This may happen over the course of a few years. But guess what? That's what long-term health is. It isn't a short diet paired with over-exercising for a month where you lose 15 pounds and then two months later, it's all gained back because you were starving yourself essentially and your body, of course, is going to want food thereafter and it wasn't sustainable. So it may take longer, but that is what long-term health is. It is eating and moving in a way that nourishes your body. It's resting enough so that you can actually recover from the stress. It's eating enough so that your body can support the recovery and support your metabolism, which is going to be revving, you know, if you're doing high intensity work or whatever. 
And then long-term, your body sort of shaking out where it needs to be, not where society tells you it should be, which actually may be unhealthy for you or very unnatural for you, but where you're good, you're healthy, you, ha- you feel good, you're sleeping well, your digestion's good, and you're meeting your fitness goals. And that that's, you know, what I think health is, so... And by the way, all of those things without even trying will typically lead to weight loss if you need to lose weight. So many people really don't even need to lose it. In fact, a lot of people in this community need to gain it. Right. So you have been sitting up on your pedestal. You have been speaking and (laughs) preaching so much truth. And I really want the community to be able to connect with you, to listen to your podcast, to read your book. So can you just tell us a little bit more about your podcast, kind of what you and Stephanie, your co-hosts, talk about on it and discuss, and then also the book that I believe you also, it's called Coconuts and Kettlebells, you co-wrote it with Stephanie, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the short and sweet of it is the podcast is called The Well-Fed Women Podcast. It's been around for six and a half years now. So we've got a lot of episodes on literally everything. But um, half the time I do interviews, half the time I have questions. It's all community driven. So community questions and uh, which is really helps me stay true to like, what do people want to hear more about? Um, and what is, what's on my community's mind as opposed to creating, you know, episodes that I think people need. I'd rather just hear from my community and say, okay, let's ask those questions. Let's get, let's get some answers. So I do interview guest experts like yourself, Sarah. Um, Sarah's been on the Wealth of Women podcast. So that launches every Tuesday morning. And Steph and I wrote a book together called Coconuts and Kettlebells. It's part health plan, part um, cookbook. And then my website is coconutsandkettlebells.com where I do a lot of recipes. And most of my recipes are all gluten-free and dairy-free just because that's how we eat. And I like to do allergy-friendly meals and stuff like that. So, yeah. And the cover of her book is something that always makes me salivate. It is a <laughs> burger, but it has sweet potato for bun, if I if I am remembering correctly. Yeah, it's so and good. I need that in my life immediately. So, Noelle, at the end of my interviews, I always ask guests for their three convictions around gut health and gut healing. For reference, mine are heal your gut, heal your life, everything is beautiful in its time, and no one will ever advocate for your health in the ways you can show up and glow up for you. So what are Noelle's three convictions? I will say, I think first and foremost, your gut health is your health. I think that a lot of times we try to, like, people talk about, well, what can I do to improve my gut? Or what's, you know, talk to me about gut health. And a lot of people come to me and say, how can I, you know, improve my health? Or what what can I do to improve my immunity? Or what do I need to do to make sure that I get through a cold and flu season and, you know, and support my immune system? And most of my answers are surround, yeah, you know, certain nutrients, of course, but it's like, how's your gut, you know? If you are struggling with digestive issues, like that's priority. That is it. That is a sign. Obviously, everybody listening to this knows, but that's a sign that something is off with your health. It's going to impact everything else about your body. So your gut health is your health, like point blank. I think number two, health is individual and there's no one size fits all when it comes to nutrition and fitness. 
I don't know if I really need to expound on that more because I just did talk for <laughs> Rand mm-hmm. for you know an hour about that. But health has to be individual. There is no one size fits all plan. You do not have to follow something just because that's what your neighbor is doing. That doesn't mean it's going to work for you. If low carb works for you, awesome, do that. If it doesn't work for you, awesome, own it and say, not doing it. I don't need to. Your worth is not wrapped up in your ability to eat less or not eat carbs or intermittent fat or whatever. Like, do what works for you. If you like working out in the morning, work out in the morning. If you like working out in the evening, do that. We need to stop listening to all the shoulds and figure out what is going to work for me and bring about health for me. Because this is my life. Nobody else cares, you know, about what I'm doing. Nobody is impacted by what I'm doing except me. Let your inner voice, your intuition drive what you do for your health. Not not toxic diet culture and fitness voices in your head that say, oh, you can't miss a Monday. You got to get up. If you need rest, rest. And I think the last one is reduce stress. So I think my podcast should just be now called like the stress management podcast because all we do is talk about stress and like how that is your health and how that is impacts everything about your physiology. So reduce stress and sleep enough above all else <laughs> because I don't know, man. I'm 35 and pretty much the last 14 years of my being, you know, a post-college adult, when I don't sleep, everything else suffers. My mental health, my digestion, my heart, like everything else suffers. So reduce stress and sleep enough above all else. So yeah. Amen to all three of those. Queen Noelle. Thank you so much for joining me today, Noelle. And to you out there, thank you for joining us. I will see you again next time. 